This is Robot Chris, and welcome to the Tips for Lawyers podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, are you going to get replaced by a robot? That is the topic today, and that is what we are going to explore a few thoughts on. First thing you will notice is that this is an audio-only version, so welcome back to the Tips for Lawyers podcast. This is not the Tips for Lawyers show. I'm embarking on a slightly new strategy, and I'm going to have a bit of a play around with a few different options in the video audio world. So for the moment, podcasts are audio only. If you haven't hit subscribe, then hit subscribe on whatever medium you're using. If you need to get to iTunes, you can go to tipsforlawyers.com slash iTunes, and that'll take you to the right place. Please leave a ranking, leave a review. They help me stay visible and relevant. And I appreciate your comments and nice things you say. I appreciate less the bad things you say, but if they're constructive, then I will take them on board. Are you going to get replaced by a robot? There's a lot of discussion going on about this at the moment. There's a lot of discussion about artificial intelligence. There's a lot of discussion about robot judges. Relevantly for you, the question is, Are you in a practice area? Are you practicing in a way that leaves you vulnerable to the disruption that's going to be caused by the technology market? And my answer is yes with an if or no with a but. As you're going to see, there's a few options there, but let's cover the field as best we can. I think the first thing to really appreciate and understand is that part of what lawyers have traditionally done is already being replaced by technology. If you look at the way law is practiced now compared to the way law was practiced 10, 15, 20, 50, 100 years ago, you will see across the board that consistently, and sometimes more slowly in law than in other fields, but consistently the jobs that lawyers did, which required a significant amount of expertise or at least a significant amount of resources, are continuing to be more highly leveraged by technology. And the easiest way to think about that is to look at legal research. How many of you, be honest here, and don't put up your hand, especially if you're on the bus or driving a car or something, but just think, how many times have you had to start your legal research and the first place that you have gone is Google? And do you think seriously that your clients aren't doing that themselves? I mean, do you really think that? Because if you look at your own behavior and you look at Any question that comes up, whether it's health, whether it's what to buy next, whether it's investigating a house, whether it's wanting to paint, whether it's wanting to learn something, where do you go first? You go to the internet, as do the vast majority of your clients. There are now very few people without access to the internet that you're likely to be serving. So far as my audience is concerned, there are certainly people around the world without ready access to the internet, but by and large... Most people are going to go to Google first and they're going to ask questions. That includes your clients, that includes you, that includes your boss, that includes pretty much everyone you deal with. Google is already replacing a lot of the skills that lawyers used to spend a huge amount of time learning at law school, including a certain degree of legal research. Now, that, I think, is an appreciation that you really need to have. Clients are going to come to you armed with a certain amount of information. Now, they may not come to you armed with the ability to distill that information or to use that information to make good decisions for themselves or their business. But a certain component of what many lawyers learned to do and relied upon is already being replaced by that technology. 
And so in this dialogue or rhetoric that's going on about robots replacing lawyers, I think we really need to appreciate that it is already happening to some extent. So with that in mind, let's have a look at the lawyers that I think are most vulnerable to the robot replacement problem. And by and large, those are lawyers who, in my uh, respectful opinion, don't really understand what their job is. So if as a lawyer, your job, so far as you perceive it, is to fill out forms for your client, then I think you are on a hiding to nothing. And I think your industry will be gone in probably the next five to 15 years. You will be totally redundant unless you embark upon a course of uh, change so far as the way you practice is concerned. So if your practice is entirely built upon you or your staff, for that matter, uh, filling out data in forms that can be obtained, then I think you seriously need to think about your business strategy because I think it will be gone. Uh, the data filling component, and obviously I'm headed there towards things like uh, firms that rely almost entirely on the use of precedents without really any independent thought being applied to them. Uh, I'm looking at a lot of property transactions are certainly uh, ripe for disruption in this field at the fundamental sort of cottage conveyancing level. So if that is the entirety of your job and you do very little else, then I think you need to consider carefully whether you have correctly articulated what your legal skill and training is allowing you to do. And I'm going to get back to that in a minute. I am not saying that the entirety of the property law industry is going to crash in a heap. What I am saying is that you need to reconsider what as a lawyer you actually do and how you apply your training and what the value you bring to the table is. And that's a different equation to think about. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. So I think that is an area that is prime for disruption, and I think it will be disrupted. And I think largely the landscape of the legal industry in that those particular areas, the form-filling areas, is going to be gone. So if you are a heavily precedent-based lawyer and you apply very little thought to the process, then you need to reconsider how you're positioning yourself and you need to reconsider how you're engaging with your practice areas. The other lawyers I think are going to experience some disruption are those who believe that their job is solely to communicate information. Uh, this comes through in the way in which lawyers communicate. A lot of lawyers wouldn't accept that definition of what they do, but the way in which they practice would lead to a conclusion that that is in fact what they do. What do I mean by this? I mean, if you are a lawyer who simply uh, accepts your client's question, uh, then produces for them a mile-long file note containing huge extracts from legislation, uh, gigantic quotes from cases, and you offer very little additional to that, so you go for the data dump approach to advising your client, then I think you're in serious trouble because that job can very easily be replaced by a robot. That is a very simple, uh, in modern terms at least, that is a very simple replaceable process. If all you are doing is dumping data on a page and then 
providing it to your client as if that is in some way helpful to them and that is in some way the totality of your job as a lawyer. I suspect what you're finding is that all of your clients call you and ask you what the answer is or want to digest or work through the advice if that's the nature of how you communicate, but that's a separate problem. I think it's a perception issue. The perception is that you need to simply fling as much information at your client as possible. That sort of thing, I think, will be readily replaceable. Clients will be able to enter a data set into a research bot, and they can already to some extent, but they will be able to do that, and they will be able to get a huge amount of research made available to them. And if they have the mental fortitude and they have the time and they have the inclination, then they can use that information to form the basis for their decision making. So if those two things are, as I have suggested, ripe for disruption, how are you going to reposition yourself if you might be affected by it? Or how, even if you're not in one of those prime candidates, can you start to shift the way of your thinking so that you are less replaceable by artificial intelligence? I think The absolute number one thing you need to consider is what is your job as a lawyer? And the reason I put it in those terms is because there is something that, so far as it stands at the moment, I don't think robots and artificial intelligence is going to be able to do, and that is to deal with sophisticated levels of context of their particular clients. Now, what do I mean by that? Firstly, Okay, robots don't have clients at the moment, but give it a few years and you never know, that kind of thing might happen. Uh, But if you consider the context of a client, because what at the moment robots and artificial intelligence are headed towards is that kind of data, heavy data analysis and extraction. So, for example, if you have a debt owing to you or a contract that has been breached and you have a potential damages claim of $20,000, I think it is readily foreseeable that a robot or an artificial intelligence machine of some kind will be able to tell you whether you have good, even or bad prospects of successfully litigating your case. But what that robot will not be able to tell you at the moment is whether you ought to litigate that case. And this is where context and data become very important because, of course, a robot's decision making is only ever good as the data that the robot has access to. And there are some things that are very subtle considerations that, so far as it stands and so far as we're headed in the foreseeable future, robots and artificial intelligence cannot necessarily react to and take into account. For example, let's take our $20,000 lawsuit. Now, by and large, so far as the cost of litigation are concerned, that is a fairly low sum. If you are a very large business and you are owed $20,000, you might not bother suing to recover it because it is barely putting a hole in your revenue and it is not worth the time and the effort and the legal fees associated with the collection process. So although you may have a good case, perhaps for you it is not the best decision to litigate that case. What then of a smaller business? The smaller business might be owed $20,000, but the costs of potentially litigating it might be $30,000. How is that going to be taken into account? Should the smaller business litigate or not? And this is where context comes into account. How many people are in the small business? What is their family situation? Is this revenue critically important to them? Will they literally go out of business if they cannot somehow recover this $20,000 as quickly as possible? And those sorts of contextual decisions, both commercial and personal, are going to impact upon the decision, not just as to whether they can, but whether they ought to litigate that kind of thing. 
What about someone who's on the verge of retirement? Should they invest time and money in a claim or should they not? You're taking into account then their personal circumstances. What about the way in which people experience stress? You, as you get to know your clients, will understand that certain people react different ways to different things. And some clients will be very able to deal and just sort of wrap into their day the opportunity cost associated with embarking on this piece of litigation. Whereas others will obsess about it and the opportunity cost for them will be huge, not because of the objective criteria, but because of the subjective criteria, because of the way in which you know they will react to having ongoing litigation looming over their heads or resting on their shoulders. That is something that you know as a result of your personal interaction with the client. You have maybe experienced it before, or perhaps you have a good feel for their body language because you've met them in person. You can see how they're behaving. You can see whether they're fidgety. You can see whether they're calm and collected. You can see the kinds of questions they have, and you can analyze from a human perspective their context and how they are personally going to react to having a piece of litigation like this. So what then is it that you as a lawyer are doing? You are helping people make good decisions. You are not necessarily only advising them on their prospects of success or otherwise. You're advising them in the context in which they find themselves. And that might not be the same advice from client to client. And until we get to a point where robots and artificial intelligence are sophisticated enough to take into account those personal contextual issues, you as a lawyer will always have the edge. And this is where as a property lawyer or someone in a transactional field where you are vulnerable to that kind of disruption I was talking about earlier, this is where you can start to excel. Because that sort of document-heavy data-driven process can be done With greater technological leverage, you can do it cheaper and faster and you can invest your time not into the actual functional processes, but into the wise decision-making processes. You can start to help your clients at a personal level. You can help them understand what's going on. You can ensure that you're building relationships. You can ensure that you're focusing on the things that are going to build your business and build that closeness of relationships with clients. That actually allows you to get more repeat business. It allows you to get more referral business. It allows them to feel more satisfied about the nature of the legal job that you have done for them because you are freed up. And this is what technology can give you. So I don't think you need to view this as something that's potentially going to ruin your business. I think you need to view this opportunity as something that's going to give you margin to invest and reinvest in the people that are the core of your business, which at the end of the day, are your clients and your staff. And these are the people who you can now have that margin to invest in more heavily. And you will experience greater satisfaction amongst your clients, amongst your colleagues, amongst your peers, because you are taking that time to focus upon relationship development. You are able to invest in the known, liked and trusted trifecta from a marketing perspective. You are able to build your business. You are able to build your trust and you will have that deep satisfaction of clients who feel genuinely looked after because at the end of the day, law in many respects is still about that relationship aspect. And what lawyers find is that they are not able to focus on the relationship aspect because they're spending a lot of time doing the actual legal work. So if you can utilize technologies that are available to you to do the heavy lifting in some of that stuff that is 
probably process driven, some of that stuff that is data driven, and then you can invest your time in relationship development and ensuring the clients are well and truly looked after, then you will have an opportunity to build your business more so than what you did before. So I think we need to reevaluate. Are there risks? Certainly, there are risks. There are risks associated with practices being disrupted, but I think those risks exist more for those practices who are burying their heads in the sand and those practices who are not necessarily shifting their focus, utilizing their technologies to offer better service to their clients, to build better relationships and to ultimately build their business. And that is why I think lawyers who can adapt to this situation and use technology to create margin in their practice to build their business are going to ultimately succeed and they will do better. And the ones who are in denial and who want to consistently just push back are ultimately going to fail because they won't be able to adapt fast enough and their clients will leave them because they will remain more expensive or they will remain uncompetitive from that perspective. But they will also be less inclined to build relationship because they're focused on the aspects of law that have ultimately been taken over by technology. So the opportunities exist. I hope you're not going to get replaced by a robot, but if you're going to avoid it, then you need to reevaluate what your job actually is and the value that you bring to the table. You need to invest in the relationship components, and these are the things that robots will not be able to replace, at least not in the foreseeable future. This has been the Tips for Lawyers podcast. My name is Chris Hargraves. I appreciate your reviews and rankings. Head over to iTunes or wherever it is you go to. Share it around. Be nice. Spread the love. And I'll see you next time.